2: Danny, we got a good one today. Dr. Zoe Hieronymus joining me here today. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite, favorite topics. White spirit animals, prophets of change. This is fabulous, fabulous book. Excited about it. Going to give a copy of away. So how are you, Mr. B? I'm doing
0: very well. Happy Monday to you and start of the week.
2: Monday, 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 Monday. Hey, do you remember? No, you're not from the East Coast, so you wouldn't remember that uh, crazy radio commercial, but it is kind of an exciting Monday with the ground all white here in the Pacific Northwest. How does that even happen? Uh,
0: in selected areas, yes. And Punksitani Phil was right with six more weeks of winter,
2: and we are experiencing that. Ye- so, thank you, Ye- Mr. Na- yeah, uh, yeah, and all of you skiers out there, you folks that are thinking I love to be out there snowshoeing, you are just having a blast. Uh, That is uh, if the pass would be open for you to get up there. But guess what? The past is open right here today. White spirit animals, prophets of change. Uh, Dr. Zoe, as I said before, is joining me here today. And you know, we are going to uh, give away copies of the book. We actually are gonna give away three copies of the book. Um but before we do that, something you should know. It's really interesting for me uh, now doing this for as you know for as many years and talking to incredible people. You know, this is really where we get to chat with someone who is an award-winning radio broadcaster, you know, also social justice, environmental activists, and, you know, professional artists. But beyond all of that, it's what I love to talk about most, and that is somebody that steps up and says, I'm creating a community, you know, I'm going to be able to give back and help others. Uh, The way that I'm choosing to do it is multifaceted. And, you know, I believe in the future of things. And now the future is calling us. Calling us to create the kind of change that we've been talking about for years. So, what is it that's going to help us? How are we going to be helped with stepping forward and bringing in the energy of this? Whether you're like she, a known telepath, or you're somebody that has been out in the world as a telegram, somebody that is embedding in our consciousness on the winds of change, what it is we need to do, how we can do it, and what it means to be a role model for doing it, that is Dr. Zhou. Today, we're gonna take a look at what these beautiful white spirit animals are all about and how you can call them into your life to help guide you and make this journey so much easier and funner. Uh, Dr. Zo, so, great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me today.
2: So let, let's start with a little question. Listen, um, you and I were talking before the show. Uh, we've seen some change in our lifetime. I want to ask you about change because, I mean, this book is about change. But I want to ask you about change. Has change changed in the, the past concept- 30 plus years? in the way that you're seeing it in the world?
1: Firstly, as you mature, you gain a perspective that's different when you're younger. <laughs> when you're younger, you know, you're looking for certain kinds of experiences. I mean, I'll just approach the spiritual reality of things, the, the fabric and texture of that. You know, when the new age kind of got its footing in the late 60s and early 70s, and I was still just out of high school into college, I think everybody was pretty hungry for the highs, the bliss. <laughs> You know, the go to the workshop and experience the divine and and then go back to normal life and it all seems so depressing. Mm. And what you learn, though, is it's by doing for others that you cultivate the kind of wisdom that you hope for when you're younger. It's by service and selflessness and humility, at least this is what I've discovered, that brings you to an inner wisdom that you want when you're younger, but really takes for most of us anyway, a couple decades of being in the world and refining our ego and burnishing our personal desires. Not that you give up your dreams and your passions, but you pay attention to those around you. Because as as I always joke, Dr. Pat, I go, well, it's all of us together or it's all of us together. And I think the biggest change has been the addition of quantum physics to our vocabulary. Because before, when you were a mystic or a spiritual seeker, we didn't necessarily have the vocabulary beyond the mystical vocabulary to articulate why it was that we knew everything is unified and that there is a unitary route to all of life on earth, and that that's how telepathy operates, as just one example, or how healing at a distance operates, or how remote viewing works, or even how dowsing works, is you begin to appreciate that this unified field of life is really the context in which all of us as individuals function. But we seem to think oftentimes because of the past age of rational materialism, which is shifting astrologically, I think our culture really defined us as at the edge of our skin we were no more. You know, you die Mm -hmm. and there's nothing else. Well, we know now from decades of NDEs and out-of-body travel and off-planet research and this and that that consciousness exists forever and that those traditions that have always taught karma or dharma or reincarnation were really pegged. And even in Judaism as well, it speaks to reincarnation. A lot of people don't know that. Um, But I think we find that the change has been in the ability now to articulate things in a fundamental way that explains them not just based in faith.
2: Yeah, one of the things I love about this and what you're bringing forth in this book is that uh, this is really the time now where visions and dreams and how it's showing up. Okay. Okay, so let's take a look at our pop culture for a moment and even the pop culture that we just saw at the closing ceremonies of this past Olympics. So unlike ceremonies in the past, This was about the youth of South Korea. This was melding that ancient wisdom, that ancient tradition in South Korea with contemporary pop artists and music. Such a beautiful blend. It's something we don't see that often. And, you know, my question is, you know, is the story of the white spirit animals looking to be brought forward to a contemporary state of popularity. The
1: white spirit animals, and in my book, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change, um, one of the things I point to is that no matter what tradition reveres these holy animals, and they are considered the elder prophets of each species because unlike their kin, they are white-coated and they're not albinos. Mm -hmm. They have recessive genes from both parents. Historically, whether it was the Zulu or the Lakota who have the white buffalo, the Zulu, uh, the white lions, um, the Buddhist Hindus who have the white elephant, the white um, wolf is common to all traditions worldwide, and the white bear to, in this case, um, the British Columbian rainforest first peoples, they would not talk to the world about the um, arrival of a white spirit animal, it was considered really taboo to let the outside world know of these special beings who would be among them. And they always looked at it as a sign of prophecy of change because one of the things all these traditions worldwide have, and you could see the same thing with white whales and white dolphins, it doesn't matter which mammal you look to, whether sea, land, or air. All of the tribal communities worldwide that revere them say that their white coats are reminiscent of the last ice age and that they are telling us that the earth is going to cleanse herself. So firstly, they show up when we are facing calamitous times and really important choices. Secondly, what's so interesting about the arrival of them in common culture now and through you know things like television and YouTube, and you can find postings all over the world of very precious white spirit animals, and I show some of them on my website, whitespiritanimals.com. What's happening, at least from my understanding of it, is that the animals appreciate in what dire straits we and they and the ecosystems they preside over are in. Their effort is to work with us in the sense of bringing us into loving rapport with them and all of nature, that we don't operate outside of the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the spirit being kingdom, that these are integral hierarchies that does not make one better than the other, more important than the other. We all have our job to do. And I think what's happening in human consciousness, thankfully, is we're beginning to outrun that species entitlement that was fabricated So long ago in our cultures of saying we have the right to destroy the ecosystem, we can take what we want, we can do what we want to animals, we can abuse them, torture them, you know, mass produce them. This is changing because there's a sensibility happening within the human heart that I feel due to the challenges we're facing and the vibrations when you talk to people speaking about, you know, the ninth wave and where we are according to the Mayas and others is that we are at a very special turning point. And this turning point gives all of us the opportunity to come into rapport with all of life, because all of life talks. So I think the popular culture, and at the Olympics, you saw the white spirit animals in the opening. They have their own special tradition about that, the white tiger in particular. Years ago, I had a dream about chasing the white tiger. And in the dream, I stop and talk to these elders on the hillside, and I say, well, where's the white tiger? And they said, well, that's your job to find. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that all of this, whether it's talking to a squirrel in your backyard or talking to your neighbor or your own dog or coming into rapport with a wild animal that may not even live in your environment, these are all really important relationships. And I think that's one of the things that I like to um, emphasize is that Just like in the beginning, in the new age, when you could go to workshops and experience the bliss of this high and that high and then feel very dislocated, it's gotten rather um, commercialized and commodified over the last three decades. It started with the gurus and then now it's moved to every spectrum of the new age interest, new paradigm that you can think of. These are expensive workshops. You often have to travel far. And it's not in any way to diminish the value of them. But I do find, and it concerns me a bit, when people say, well, I'm a shaman, and I have mm-hmm. to be kind to them and say, well, you may be practicing a shamanistic tool, which I do. I don't call myself a shaman. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, a shaman is chosen by their community to serve them, and their whole lives are dedicated in that service. It's not a weekend workshop banner that you can get. You can't hang a title. So, but the work that the shamanistic communities offer us, and that's what I practiced in this book, is something called shamanic dreaming which is um, telepathic dreaming, basically, is something we've always been doing as humanity ever since. So the white spirit animals and other kinds of awarenesses of people coming into rapport with animal, plant, mineral consciousness, spirit beings, off-planet elders, is that we as humans are beginning to re-arise understanding that we are members of a galactic society. Mm-hmm. Yeah we are local beings who live in our own local ecosystems yeah
2: i mean we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk about you know these white spirit animals what they mean you know there are some some people that are talking about this idea of the return of the white as if they've disappeared, but there is a return going on and it has a very special meaning. When we come back, Dr. Zoe is gonna walk us through how have these dreams come to the forefront and have brought forth the bear, the lion, the elephant, the wolf, Uh, the buffalo, and much more. Stay tuned, everyone. Yes, yes, even the white dragon. Stay tuned, everyone. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. And don't forget, we're going to give copies of the book away. We'll be right back.
0: into your everyday lives on Universe Soul Heart Radio. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Kathleen Johnson explores the concept of sensible spirituality, keeping you grounded, connected, and centered on the path
2: to wholeness. Kathleen has dedicated her life to facilitating holistic healing and wholeness in others. Listen to Universe Soul Heart Radio and learn how to flourish, grow, and impact all we
0: do on planet Earth. For more information, go to universesoulheart.net.
2: Tune in to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Chef Rossi mouths off about different subjects in pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up your minds. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth taking from the headlines of the day on subjects that reach beyond what goes on in the world into your hearts. And go to theragingskillet.com to find out more and let Chef Rossi know what's on your mind. Holistic
0: Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit DrDarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Are you traveling most of your day? Do you want to take Transformation Talk radio with you anywhere you go? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. Just go to the App Store on your Apple device or the Google Play Store on your Android and search Transformation Talk Radio. Catch all of our live shows no matter where you are. Thanks for listening. Tune into the wisdom of your
1: soul for guidance on living a joyful life. On Soul Wisdom Radio, Wendy will provide inspiration to raise your vibration and connect with your higher self and guides. Learn how to balance your ego and to progress spiritually on Soul
0: Wisdom Radio with Wendy Rose Williams. Visit wendyrosewilliams.com or Transformation Talk Radio to learn more about a healing session with Wendy and her events and publications. The Janice Underwood Show, helping you create the life you want, not the life you tolerate. Tune in each Monday, 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as Janice delves into the life creator system and the next step in your spiritual evolution. Janice Underwood is gifted at helping spiritually minded people shift their mindsets to unleash the creator within. Our souls wish to wake us up. Those of us listening hear the call. Do you? For more information, visit JaniceUnderwood.com.
2: everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, It is so great to have Dr. Zoe joining us here today. White Spirit Animals is the name of the book, and I'm going to go ahead and give one copy of the book away right now. Uh, Let's do it. Benny, first caller, 1-800-930-2819. And for those of you out there that are thinking, I cannot call in, I am at the workplace. Just go to TransformationTalkRadio.com and go where it says, ask a question, type your name and say, hey, I'd love to get a copy of the book. And off we go. Make sure if you do that, you give us your address. Um, White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. And uh, this is a powerful message. But before we jump back into it, um, how can people find out more about you? And by the way, how can they get a copy of the book?
1: The easiest way is just to go to my website, www.whitespiritanimals.com, and that will show you how to get to Inner Traditions Bear and Company, my wonderful publisher, and there aren't many publishers in the world who really support this kind of aptitude development. They do. Um, And anything else they need to know would be there. I have other websites, com and there's another one, 21st21stcenturyradio.com. But for White Spirit Animals, I think there are links there to everything else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it's a fabulous website. There's a lot of information here for those of you out there. And, uh, you know, a way for you to buy the book from here as well. Um, Also, there's great images here, galleries. For those of you that are like me, you're pretty much a visual. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking for the pictures, which is great as well. Um, Let's talk about, if we could, uh, this idea of profits of change. I want to start there and then talk about each of these uh, white spirit animals. Um, What does it mean for people listening that may or may not know what that means to be a prophet, but also a prophet of change?
1: Well, prophets really are always spokespeople for change. Generally, it's a change within us. And that's really the animals. When I first had this waking day vision in 2013, I was washing my dishes. All of a sudden, I see myself in this... Um, area of our property and I was surrounded by white spirit animals a white shark mm-hmm. a white bear white lion white dolphin etc and I felt like I was um, before revered elders and I immediately said to them why have you come to me and what can I do for you it was a it was a very unique experience and in unison you know if one can say 15 animals spoke in unison what I got from them was to tell our story. And what they meant was don't write a book about one of us and then another book, but try to look at us as a whole. And once I did that, I appreciated why they said that. I focused on the land mammals. Originally I was going to include the whale, the mother of all, but decided to stick with the land mammals. Um, They are each apex guardians of ecosystems worldwide. And the reason that's important is that firstly, these are animals that are all facing extinction. They tend to be the animals men in particular like to kill the most and have for centuries. And yet entire ecosystems depend on their existence and on their flourishing. So the bear, the lion, the elephant, the wolf, and the buffalo all preside over major ecosystems, which without, they will disassemble more quickly. And the reason this is so important, and many people don't know this, but we are in the sixth extinction and that's what it's referred to. Uh, The World Wildlife Fund in 2014 came out with a report that we have lost 52% between 1970 and 2010 of all of the Earth's wild vertebrate population. That means our mammals, our birds, our reptiles, our amphibians, and our fish. It's extraordinary when you really like grapple with the reality of what's not talked about in the media, what's not talked about in the colleges, what most of us never see in the papers. 52% of the Earth's wild vertebrate population. That means they went extinct within a single human lifetime. Now they're saying we are losing 27,000 species a year. It used to be a background rate of like 1 to 10. And Mm -hmm. it's estimated that 50% of the entire Earth species will be extinct in 30 years. So when I saw these animals, I said to them, how can we save more life on earth i've been an environmental activist since i was 14 i've been at it a really long time yeah and that started back in the mid 60s so not to date myself but i don't mind because it's been a long road a long haul and they said save as many of us as you can and they weren't saying it like oh we're more important than somebody else what they were saying is that the the role we play in the ecosystem is apex guardian and we saw this with the wolf as a good example the wolf was barely eliminated and then reintroduced into yellowstone park and then what happened everything flourished because of it the trees were healthier there were fewer um there were just let's just put it this way rather than spending time going into all of the um details but Mm -hmm. it made the ecosystem healthier you know so when you see, for instance, the elephants who face um, such extraordinary trauma in Africa and Asia, particularly in Africa where they are killed en masse, uh, I call it animal side, and it's become institutionalized just like echo side and genocide. These are all institutional frameworks of what I refer to as a death economy. We need a life economy, and that's what these animals are telling us, to improve the life around us and improve the life within us. So, as I started to say, like the elephants, they are responsible for opening up the entire forest floor when they pull down food from the canopies that allow sunlight in and then the smaller animals get what they need and the sunlight you know, helps regrow what's been eaten. And they also create the watering holes for all the smaller animals as well as tribal peoples who follow animals to find water. But of course, what's happening to all of the animals on earth is that due to human population and our kind of taking over of their areas of life, our appropriation of habitat, they have less and less space in which to live as they should. And because we have such a noxious habit of destroying their cultures, there's aberrations in their own populations, which we now see among the elephants. They have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is so obvious and horrible. And a good friend of mine, yeah. Dr. A. Bradshaw, wrote a book, Elephants on the Edge, which details this from a scientific and psychological reality. So, you know, what we do matters, not just what we do in the outer world, But what we do in our inner world is as important. And I think anybody who ever examines the spiritual traditions of the world, whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism or any other form, learns from the mystics that who we are is as important as what we do. And I like to tell people it's not really what we do, it's how we do what we do. So if if I'm a street cleaner, I want to do it with attention. If I'm, you know, a doctor, I want to listen to my patients. And and I think the important thing that the animals are teaching us about telepathy, and that's why I wrote the book, is they're saying that if we practice, I, I compare it to a lighthouse. You know, a lighthouse turns on its beam, it lights up the waters, ships can see what's around them and how to come into port. We are like that. We are biocapacitors by nature, by design. We we receive light and we emanate light. So when we set our intention, that's when we turn on our lighthouse. Our lighthouse goes on, towards Mm -hmm. a certain direction, whatever it is. You know, I want to become a lawyer. I want to become an artist. I am this. I, you know, whatever it is you want to do. I want to heal my mother. I want to have a better job. I want my marriage to be happier. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It's that you state it. And then once you state it and you turn your lighthouse on with your intention to look, then you just need to pay attention. And these two things, intention and attention, are what make the human as co-creator of divinity.
2: Yeah. Let me tell you the word that has come to mind for me now. Um, I got to tell you, we got the best listeners on the planet. And by the way, Linda uh, Firing is my producer. She's been my best friend since 1973. Nobody knows me better, right, than her. And stepped into this arena, and I think you'll appreciate this, Dr. Zoe, stepped into this arena just the way you're talking about inner traditions, stepped into this arena and never wavered in her belief. Now, we are two girls from Jersey, okay? Somehow, in our own special way, she and I, we got touched and I use the term touch to describe why I'm even here talking to you and actually understanding what you're saying, Dr. Zoe. That's another thing, right? Mm-hmm. But here it is, the word that comes to mind, the word that I think about when I tap into, you know, the animal spirits that guide my 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 life, and I do have one or two of them that are white, is the word engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking, talking about increasing engagement where one heart can touch another. And my sense is after reading your book, that that, that aspect, that engagement, heart to heart, tapping into that which we cannot see but which emanates from within us is part of the message today. When we come back from break, I want to talk about what the invitation is from white spirit animals, these prophets of change to each and every one of us. The other thing is copies of the book. Yep. one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine, And we're taking your questions. We're going to take a shorty. We'll be right back, everyone.
0: Part of one of the most powerful programs to help create a more joyful, loving, abundant, and peaceful world. Every day at 12 noon in any time zone, join millions of other people around the world to spend a few minutes in joy, love, and gratitude. Brought to you by Robert Schoenfeld, host of the Art of Powerful Living Radio. Together, we can raise the vibration of the planet. For more information, visit GlobalMomentOfJoy.com. let It Go Radio, the future awaits you. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Barbara Scheidegger explores the way to clarity, peace, and how to live a successful life on your terms by turning negative experiences into positive ones. Barbara's curiosity about the human experience drives her both personally and professionally. As a life coach, author, and renowned clinical hypnotherapist, Barbara knows how to move forward in a natural, organic way without side effects. If you want to grow, be sure to tune in to Let It Go Radio. To learn more, visit LetItGoHypnosis.com.
2: Everybody, welcome back. I'm Dr. Pat. Thanks for tuning us in, turning us on. If you want to find out more about us, please go ahead and check us out at the thedrpatshow.com, but more importantly, transformationtalkradio.com. And Dr. Zoe joining me here today is the author of White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. Uh, Dr. Zoe, one more time, how can people find out more about you? How can they get a copy of the book?
1: The easiest way is go to www whitespiritanimals.com and it's published by Inner Traditions Bear and Company if you want to go to their website.
2: Awesome. Um, Let's talk about the uh, white spirit animals themselves. Uh, I think we're all in awe when we see them. I, I have a picture that, oh, was taken maybe about two years ago in the backyard, a backyard in New Jersey of a white deer, and this, the deer in itself was just striking. It was just beautiful. It was white as can be. And, you know, you stop in a moment when you have that kind of connection. And it was a close one. And you just look at that. But I think we are really struck by white animals, certainly white horses, um, uh, the white wolf, but there's some that we just don't think about, for example, like the white squirrel or even in this case, the white lion. But they have special meaning. I'd love for you to share with us what this special meaning is and what are the messages that they're bringing. Certainly, we're not going to be able to go through the whole book.
1: No, and, and that would be more fun for people to read it anyway. Oh, yeah. The the important thing, first, I'd like to share what they all share in common, because when they Mm -hmm. first came to me and said, we want you to tell our story, I really had to figure out how can I do this. And I spent a year um, dreaming with the animals before I even submitted three, you know, sample chapters to my publisher who has published three of my other books because I wasn't quite sure I'm a waking telepath and have been. Um, But this was something I wanted to do that was different. It's called shamanic dreaming. And this is what shamans and medicine men and women and other intuitives have been doing for millennium. Um, You dream about, let's say, a community says, our rivers are polluted. Can you help us? So a shaman would dream you know, can I help them? Should I help them? May I help them? In what way can I help them? What? So the dream would bring in the information. A dream is really like a search engine. And what we can do, all of us, um, is use our sleep time, our dream time, as a way to get the higher information that isn't obstructed by our own self-judgment, isn't obstructed by our own personal um, fears, and is really just straight talk. That's how I think of it. So I practiced dreaming with each one of these animals a month at a time, and then I'd cycle back and do another month. This was before reading about them. And again, being an animal lover and an environmental activist and an animal activist, certainly somewhere in my vocabulary, I knew something about the animals, but I didn't know really their biology or their sociology or even what they meant. So it was a very unique experience for me. And um, bear as an example, we'll start there. They live 25 to 35 years. Um, Oh, and I know what I was going to say before we get to the specifics, is the other thing they all share in common, other than being remnants of the last ice age, here to remind us of our resilience and our ability to survive tremendous earth changes, and that they are here to help us do that, is that they all also represent star systems above us. You know, the bear represents the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper, and the North Pole. So that's where all the coordinates of earth come together, which tells us, wow, bear is where all of humanity comes in harmony. The bear um, really has a long history of shape-shifting with women. And there are many, many elder stories around the world about bear and women. And when we think of bearing life, bearing down, bearing witness, being bear, these are terms often applied to a woman in pregnancy, et cetera. So the bear is really i I like to think of bears chief of medicine. um they are the earth healers, and they want us to a prepare ahead of time like they do, prepare our dens for extended periods of um scarcity. They want Mm -hmm. us to bear children, to bear witness, and they're very focused, as in my dreams they showed me, they showed me that they were the teachers of the natives for smudge and smoke medicine, meaning they taught natives how to find the herbs that were healing and for what. They taught natives about smudge medicine and smoke medicine, and they also heal with crystals. I know people who, like, don't believe in these things, might think, oh, sure. But yeah. if you read the indigenous people's own writings about their folklore and their elder stories, these are the attributes they give these animals. And this is what I experienced personally before I had read their stories. So, bear just really wants us to appreciate that we are the bearers of the earth. And the white lion, we'll go to that for a moment because mm-hmm. the lion, the lion has always historically been associated with rulership, with power, with royalty, but in alchemy, it's the lion is the alchemist of the heart, the emerald gem of alchemy, meaning after we purify our natures, after we get rid of our selfishness, after we just stop being um, in our own way, pretty much, and open up to the love that there is, that we can become pure hearted humans, that the queen of heaven, Lyra, for instance, is shown often in Sumerian and Mesopotamian and Babylonian cultures of holding two lions on a leash. And so what we're learning for lion is they told me in my dream when, and I asked each animal, what should we do for the earth? And lion said their priority was closing the ozone hole. Mm. And they added, and the hole in human hearts that prevent us from knowing that we're all connected through love. So the lion, the bear teaches us about healing the earth and preparing and taking care of our children. The lion really teaches us about staying focused on good leadership in our local communities. You know, I think while we're global or galactic citizens, we also live locally. And if each of us and everybody listening pays more attention to the needs of your local community, your ecosystem, your social relations with people, the justice movements, that's where each of us have our greatest power. So it's not to say we aren't part of the whole, but if we each as individuals use our power where it's strongest, which is where we live, we really can help the animals restore the earth and help the earth Gaia herself restore the habitats. So, you know, and in each of these animals, I'd like to say because they're subject to such brutality and I write about that in each chapter, the bears are farmed like corn in other countries for their body and then used for healing, but it does not really healing. And bears, which live up to 35 years in captivity in these horrible situations, live four or five years in total pain. You know, they might amputate their hands for other sales. It's, it's, it's horrific. I cried a lot, Dr. Pat, when I wrote this book, because when you come into empathic rapport, and this is why I do most of my work at a distance, because I'm an empath, you feel what the other person or the animal or the tree or the stream or the rock actually feels. And while it's a beautiful um, sensitivity to have, I can tell you it does make life a little bit more challenging to navigate. So I don't go to crowds. I don't go to concerts. I don't go wherever. There's a lot of people. I go to mm-hmm. grocery stores when they're very empty. I go in very fast, get out very fast because mm-hmm. of the lighting. Um, so as a sensitive, I guess I suffered a great deal in writing this book because I suffered their suffering. But in each case, I'd like to say the good news is there are wonderful humans worldwide trying to stop the abuse of the animal population, like the elephants. While well, I wrote the elephant yeah. chapter, um, the the Barnum and Bailey Circus announced they were no longer going to use elephants, and they actually had their last show when I completed the chapter on elephant. So the bear, the same thing. They're saving the rainforest in British Columbia where the bears are native to. The lion, there's these wonderful people, the lion guardians, their Maasai, Leela Haza and Stephanie Dolrainey have been training to track lions instead of killing lions, either in retaliatory killings because they take their livestock, or as a sign of manhood. So in each case, in each animal's case, the elephants, the same thing. There are so many, and the wolves, there's so many good humans really doing their absolute best to preserve the animal kingdom. And that's what these animals are asking us to do. Not one of us can do it. You know, I can't solve world starvation, though I thought as a child I would. No, yeah, me too. Yes, exactly. So some of yeah. us are called to these big visions, but we can make a difference if we change ourselves, you know, refine our own responses. I used to be a very, very angry activist, and it took me 40 years to wear that down. So now I can really have some compassion for even those that are doing mountaintop removal, who are doing fracking, who are doing all these disastrous things, you know, promoting nuclear. We know all of this stuff is ravaging our earth and our consciousness. So if we can have some compassion for the ignorance of others or their attachment to their pride or their money, it makes it a little easier to find a way into their hearts. And that's one of the things I've learned after being an activist for 40 plus years is that I thought probably like you, because we were a Pluto and Leo generation and all you Mm -hmm. had to do was give us ideas and that was enough, give us information. Most humans need to feel the topic. So my suggestion, if you're listening and you're sensitive to the ecosystem and all the needs of our earth right now, find good stories to share with people who are not on the end of this stuff, who really don't get it, who are still brutal, who are still selfish, who are just for whatever reason, stuck in a very old world paradigm, which is shifting. And the stories seem to open people's heart. And that's what the animals taught me. Is that stories? I mean, the facts are important, but the stories are what really open the hearts of humans. And that's one of the things they taught me. The other thing they all share in common, besides all representing different star systems, Lion, the Leo, et cetera, is that they all come from what's the right word? They're the elders that revere them, the societies that have always taken them as totems and as important parts of their society and their relationships point to off-planet elders from Lyra, the Pleiades, Alcyon, et cetera. And I'd like to share, if you don't mind, one really important thing. Do we have a few moments?
2: Yeah, we're gonna skip the break, Benny. Let's go ahead.
1: Well, as an activist, I've always struggled with why is it that humanity got so derailed? And I started doing studies to see, well, what happened to us collectively? And I discovered two things that I think are very important. In 1853, Pope Gregory XIII instituted the solar Gregorian calendar. They took us off a lunar calendar. All of these mammals that we're talking about are matriarchal societies. And when we have matriarchies on earth versus patriarchies, we were aligned with the moon. And this is important, not just because, oh, we love the moon. Well, we are mostly water beings ourselves, which means we're tidal beings. So we disconnected Our relationship, our cycles that affect our emotions, our consciousness, our biology, even our DNA, which I think zips and unzips between the new and full moon and explains why worldwide to this day, we do prayers at the new moon, but the rituals are on the full moon. That's when we're most open, the same way the tide is the highest. Women give birth. The other thing I discovered that shifted our consciousness, so that was one, we went away from the moon to the sun, which went away from the feminine to the masculine. We lost our understanding of our own being as water beings. The other was in 1675. You know, it used to be every part of the world had its own time system, and the British were trying to find a way to make that more uniform, so they formalized using the Greenwich Meridian in England as the marker for measuring longitudes and calculating time on earth and this is really fascinating because prior to them the three pyramids of giza which mirror the belt stars of orion which points to the galactic center were the celestial signatories meaning those were the anchors for civilizations both on and off earth by which sacred geometries are calculated. So what that means in plain speak is a stone circle in Ohio was related to a stone circle in Ireland. Mm. Wherever societies placed their holy sites, it was relative to the galactic center. So we've lost both those things and, and I think it's very important. So little things the animals suggest is for each of us to pay more attention to the moon cycle from the new moon to the full moon, you go out into the world with your new projects, you expand, you open, you do all these things. From the full moon to the new moon is a time to recede within, to refine, to go back over things, but not to start new things. And then in terms of the galactic center, I mean, you can't talk to anybody who's anybody in the <sighs> field of Arco etc., et cetera, who aren't talking about the waves coming to us now from the galactic center. We are definitely in a time of refinement, transformation, and transition, and the white spirit animals say that the matriarchies that they represent, the maternal lineages, provide an ethos of care where the mother and the child is the center of the civilization, and we've lost that as humans. So that was one of the very surprising messages that I was given as a result of spending four years with these extraordinary beings in that they're just saying, folks, you've got to return to loving women and children and taking care of them.
2: Well, I mean, aren't we, too, talking about the call to action for those of us that may seem so subtle? A lot of times we think, well, wait a minute, I don't know if there's anything I can contribute. And I want to go back to something you and I talked about uh, during the break. And it references how we can each become active locally. And that action locally also affects the world globally. And we're looking at children across the country now that have literally in their own way drawn a line in the sand and have said no more. And,
1: you know, know, no no more of us. Yeah, they have um, Pluto and Sagittarius, which actually aligns up. Of twelve degrees of Sagittarius rising of the US chart. I mean, there's a lot to say, and I mentioned a wonderful astrologer, Rosemary Clark, who can do this clearly. These children were born for this time. They are definitely ones that will make a shift in appreciating what truth is. You know, I love the way they just say no BS, you know. adults would never do what some of them are doing. And that's also the the beauty of youth. You know, you feel your immortality. And I when I think of what I was like as an activist at that age, but these kids were all born with Pluto and Sagittarius, which gives them very long-term vision. Their feet are on the ground. Their view is in the sky of the heavens, and they are really going to help bring in this new awareness of social justice, of earth balance, of human rights, etc. And it's fantastic as an elder activist. I am just so in love with these kids.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think it's so clear in the book and what you've written too is that there is so much for us to learn and the learning is uh, part of, of course, yes, there is some intellectual aspects to this, but there's also some, uh, what I called uh, intuitive heart work to do. And then action is part of that. Um, Like I think you refer to in the book, a solution from the future. I've I've seen that language. I love that, by the way. I love that. I love that language of a solution from the future. Um, And I actually, don't ask me where I found it in your book. But the point that I'm trying to make is there are solutions in the future. And what I mean by that Each of us get ideas about a thing that isn't done yet. What does it take and how can the animals guide us to that right action?
1: Well, you know, I describe in the book an experience I had when I first came into rapport when I wanted to do this work with wild animals. And before I started, I was having this experience for weeks. Every time I'd close my eyes or try to go to sleep, I just heard this extraordinary screeching and screaming a kind of a cacophony of mm. chaos from wild animals. And I told my husband, Bob, I said, well, if this is what this work's gonna be like, I'll be of no good because I can't take the pain and suffering. I mean, really the frenzy was way over the top and it was distracting and alarming. But then what happened was two weeks later after this began on March 11th, 2011, an 8.9 magnitude earthquake and the Tohoku Tsunami with waves as high as 133 feet, hit Japan, and then we know we had the nuclear disaster, but guess what? All that screaming stopped. So the reason I share that brief little story is that the animals were already broadcasting that there was about to be a disaster on Earth. And we know for a fact that animals respond way before humans do to very delicate shifts in the Earth's systems as well as the weather patterns. In Europe, they're collaring sheep to know when the earthquakes are coming. Mm. uh, One of the most important things is to know that any of us can come into rapport with anything, anywhere, and any when. It's a question of setting our intention, asking may I, can I, should I? And then when we get information, whether it's from a plant in your house because it's not doing well, or a dog next door who doesn't seem well, it's important, and this is why I started with the weekend workshops are great, but yeah. these are commitments. They're as serious as a commitment to your best friend or to your parent or to your children. When you make a commitment to anything, it's very important that you honor it. And the other thing that I learned from Ingo Swan, who created the protocols for remote viewing, is not to judge it, not to label what you say, not to try to understand it, but just to experience it. And over time, when we practice this long enough, you begin to know the difference between imagination, reception and whatever else there is and I think that it's just important to practice it because there really is no right or wrong in this kind of work unless you're hired by the military and they're asking you to find missing submarines Then it's important (laughs) or somebody says find me a well then it's important but in terms of cultivating our rapport which is what we're all being asked to do to open our hearts to the world and to come into rapport with all of life and the way we do that is by talking talking to life, and then listening. It's mostly about listening and seeing your inner visions and then not judging it, not saying, that's crazy. That cat just told me that the dog, you know, needs his blue hat. Well, who knows what that means? It could be a cartoon that the cat saw on TV and the dog needed a blue hat. It doesn't matter is my point. Like I did a reading for somebody and they said our whole household's in disarray. And I said, well, it's because your dog is missing its orange blanket. And I'm thinking to myself, orange blanket? Who has an orange blanket? So I said to them and she said, oh, my God, we packed that away two years ago when we moved. I said, get it out of the box. And they did and they put it on the end of the bed and, you know, Harmony is restored. So my point is, is that all of the animals, all of life, the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the cosmological systems, our elders, our family on the other side, everybody is working to the same goal, which is peace on earth and plenty. And Mm -hmm. that's the goal of these animals is to help us know that this is our guardianship as the lions teach. We are the noble hearted guardians of this earth.
2: Wow. I want to thank you. Thank you so much, first of all, for this powerful message. Thank you for writing, writing the book. Um, but most of all, thank you for reminding us not only of who we are, but our potentiality. You know, to really be guided, and then to guide. Uh, you know, based on, you know, the cosmos of Inner Connections. Thank you so much for this. And again, one last question. What's your personal message? What would, you, what would you like to leave us with today?
1: Love, 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 love. There really is nothing greater. And when you go to a grocery store or you're on the highway, don't give somebody the finger. Send them passionate, compassionate love. When somebody's unhappy in the grocery store, smile at them. It's an extraordinary thing. And prayer. I'd like to say the most powerful tool humanity has is prayer. We don't yet know that. But when we pray, that is a beautiful divine action. So make your prayers good and full. Don't pray for specific results. Just ask thy will be done. It has a much bigger impact. It's the wave instead of the particle. Love, love, love.
2: Wow, thank you so very much for today. Thank you for all that you do. Everyone, the book is White Spirit Animals, Prophets of Change. We're going to take a short break. We are not done yet, we've got lots more to come. We'll be right back.
0: audio was via a Skype call.